am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the power that is behind your word. And I pray that faith will come by hearing your word. And as we hear and faith comes, our lives will change for the better. And so I step back and I thank you for the Holy Spirit stepping up so that people will hear what God is saying and not just what a man is saying. And I declare in advance that our church is about to explode. Things are going to happen, Father, that exceeds what we could ask, think, or imagine. And I thank you, Father, that, that you're getting ready to put so much in our hands. Father, we're gonna, it's going to take us to levels we didn't even know existed. And we thank you for doing this in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled The Soulcology of Money. Say that with me. Say The Soulcology of Money. And last week, our topic was budgeting, breakthrough, and blessings. And the focus of that lesson was the principle of stewardship. And it was a very practical lesson where I provided three ways to track your financial life. We learned that you can track your finances electronically. Say electronically. We learned that you can track them mechanically. Everybody say mechanically. We also learned you can track your finances manually. Everybody say manually. So if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go to the podcast and listen to it or purchase the CD from last week today. Now, the focus of this whole series, again, is for us to learn about the roles that our souls play in uh in our lives as it relates to money. And so our lesson title today, if you're taking notes, is Reconditioning Your Soul to Prosper. Reconditioning Your Soul to Prosper. And the goal of the lesson today is to show you how to renew your mind to God's way of thinking when it comes to money and prosperity. Now, most of us, uh, we've been in church for a while, and uh, before I do the lesson, uh, God gave me a an impromptu test that he wanted all of us to take. And I thought, wow, this is great. If we don't even get to the lesson, here's a test. Now, what does this test represent? This test represents that uh, it'll help you see how much reconditioning your mind needs when it comes to prospering God's way. So here's the signs to know if your soul needs reconditioning. Touch your neighbor and say, you need to wake up. Here's sign number one. You don't have to write these down. These are just signs. If you have been stuck around the same income for, the, for a number of years, shows that your mind needs reconditioning. If you've been stuck at the same income level for years, your mind needs reconditioning. Here's number two. If you are still struggling with the principle of tithes and offerings, you need reconditioning. 
Here's number three. When you pay your bills late because you want to hold on to that money just in case you need it later. You know, some people pay their bills late because they just want to hold on to it long enough just in case something else pop up. In other words, you're just paying late charges because, hey, you're holding on to that money. Here's number four. When the success and prosperity of others causes jealousy, envy, or hatred. Number five, when you have to hide or downplay what God has blessed you with. This is how you can know you need to recondition your soul. Because there are some people in this congregation who God has blessed in, in, in different ways. And you have a card that no one at your job has ever seen. Because you don't want them to see it. Look at your neighbor and say, is he talking to you? Yeah. And then uh, if you do have some blessings and they see them and they say, oh, that's a nice car. Oh, that's a nice dress. You downplay. Oh, girl, this old thing. Now, you know you done spent $500 on that dress. You know it ain't no old thing. Here's number six. When giving seems to decrease you and not increase you. Here's another one. This is good right here. When you, number six, when you worry about not having enough money when you have enough money. Now look at your neighbor and say, he got you on one of those. <laughs> so turn your Bibles to 3 John 2. 3 John 2. That's our foundational uh, verse, 3 John 2. And uh, as you turn there, I want to say that it is the will of God for you and I to prosper. Everybody say, it's the will of God for me to prosper. Now look at somebody next to you and just tell them, it's the will of God for you to prosper. Amen. 3 John 2 says this, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. Watch this. Even as your, pro, your soul prospers. In other words, our soul plays a major role in our prosperity. And so my goal today is to show you how to recondition your soul. Amen. And when I say prosper, I mean not just money. I mean to do well. Because you can have money and, and a bad marriage and have a bad life. How many know a lot of money and a bad marriage? Uh, you might as well just have, I'd rather have little money and a great marriage than uh, great money and a bad marriage. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know. I'd rather pick the money. Well, then just go ahead and put yourself in that same category of all these movie stars. Because they got the money, but they don't have the relationships. Now, there are several ways that a person can prosper or ways to prosper financially. Now, there are three primary ways, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. There are three primary ways that you and I can prosper. And the first way is posterity. Everybody say posterity. Now, this is when an accumulated amount of wealth has been passed down from generations and past descendants. In other words, it's called an inheritance. And here's the thing with an inheritance, because most of us may not be in a position to receive an inheritance. But even those who have been in a position to receive an inheritance, the statistics show that in 9 to 12 months, whatever amount of money a person has received is gone. Amen. So we have posterity. Here's uh, the second way that, that you can prosper financially. It's through the production of your hands. Everybody say the production of your hands. 
And this is where you and I, we labor and we perform a certain job task and it's exchanged for an agreed amount of money. In other words, that's called a job. Everybody say a job. Now, we all ought to be familiar with what a job is. Now, it is the will of God for you to work. Look at your neighbor and say, it is the will of God for you to work. Now, if you are, you know, if you can't work or if you're retired or if you, you know, if you have some kind of disability, that's one thing. But Proverbs 13, 11, just write it down. It says this, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. But it says this, but he that gathers by labor or work shall increase. So God has, has caused labor or working or the production of our hands is one way that God wants to increase us financially. But how many know you can work all of your life and still not be financially where you want to be? Amen. Amen. Everybody say posterity. Posterity. Everybody say the production of your hands. Here's number three, and this is the third way that you and I can prosper. It's through positional prosperity. Everybody say positional prosperity. And this is where someone has been spiritually or physically born into a financially wealthy position. I'm going to say that again. Everybody say spiritually, uh, uh, positional prosperity. It's when someone has been spiritually or physically born into a financially wealthy situation. Now, this particular one is broken off into two categories, and I'm going to explain both of them. Here's the first category of positional prosperity. The first one is physical prosperity. Everybody say physical prosperity. And this is where your parents or someone have wealth, not had wealth, but have wealth, and you are a partaker of what they have. In other words, they didn't have to die for you to get money. They have the money right now, and you are experiencing that. Everybody say that's physical prosperity. Amen. And, and this is one that most of us may not have or in a situation for either. Now, let me just break down a myth. Can I just share a myth about Jesus right now? I want to dispel a myth. One of the myths about Jesus was that Jesus was poor. And see, the problem I have with this kind of thinking is that if we think that Jesus was poor, then subconsciously, if we believe that, then we also believe we need to be poor. Because how many know we're trying to be like Jesus? Okay, so if you subconsciously believe or believe consciously that Jesus was poor, then subconsciously you are going to have to believe that somewhere in your life you need to be poor. Amen. So let me just dispel this because, see, one of the myths regarding Jesus was that he was poor and that he had no money. Now I want you to turn your Bible to John chapter 1. Go to John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 38. I'm going to dispel this myth, and I may have to break this lesson into two. Because I don't want to just rush through this. I want you to get this. There are certain subjects in school they didn't rush through. They couldn't rush through trigonometry for me. I, I didn't get it. As a matter of fact, when I went to college, college was the first time that I took it. See, nowadays they're taking calculus and pre-calculus and all that in high school. Man, I'm glad we didn't do that. I wouldn't have made it out. But I took trigonometry in college, and because it, was, it terrified me so much, I decided to take it in my senior year. So I was a senior in a class with all freshmen. And they're just whizzing through that class, and I am struggling. Three words, struggling. 
And I'll never forget, man, I was struggling. And I said, forget this, I'm not just going to struggle. I, so I got, guess what, I hired a tutor. And it was sad, I had a tutor freshman, uh, you know, helping a senior. A freshman helping a senior, but you know what? I passed. And you know what? You'd think that I had a you know, tutor and that I was studying. And I'll study. I'm going to tell you something. I'll study. You'd have thought I made an A in that class. I made a C. But that C was an A to me. <laughs> My point is, there are certain things you don't rush through. So if I don't get through, that's cool. Because I want this to settle in your spirit. All right? So watch this now. Are you and John? Where I tell you to go? John chapter 1. Look at verse 38. Listen, let me just say this. Jesus had a house to live in. He had a personal, a personal treasurer. See, most people have personal trainers. No, Jesus had a personal treasurer. He had a personal treasurer or a financial consult, consultant on staff with him. Watch this. To help him maintain and manage his money. I mean, why do you need a treasurer if you don't have any money? Why do you need a treasurer if you can manage the money yourself? It had to be enough money in there that he had to assign that job to somebody else. And you say, well, Pastor, I still don't believe it. That's fine, because I'm going to show you something in John chapter 1. Now, watch this. Now, let me just throw this out here, okay, because I'm trying to kill some myths here. All right. Remember, now, when Jesus was born, he was born in the manger, and the shepherds came to see him. But then after a while, around two years later, the Bible says the wise men found him. And, uh, and we got this wrong. It wasn't three wise men. Okay? And every negativity scene, you got three wise men. It wasn't three. It doesn't say it was three. The reason why we think it was three, because the Bible says they, bought, they brought gifts. You know, frankincense, myrrh. And, you know, so it was three gifts, but we think the three gifts mean it was three people. Not necessarily. Okay, now remember, when the wise men found Jesus, they didn't find him in the manger. They found him in the house. Okay, so Jesus did not grow up in an apartment. I'm just throwing that out there. John chapter 1, look at verse 38. Then Jesus turned. Now, now let me just tell you what happened. John's disciples was watching Jesus. And uh, two of his disciples was watching him. And so they asked him this question. Then Jesus, they said to him, uh, uh, well, Jesus turned around and he saw them following him. And he said, so what are you looking for? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is being interpreted master, where do you live? I thought that was interesting. Notice they said, where do you dwell? In other words, they wanted to know where Jesus lived. That's why people want to know where the pastor lives. <laughs> they wanted to know. See, you know, they could have said, Jesus, what, what is the secret to your powers? And uh, Jesus, you know, how do, can, how do I lay hands on people? They get healed like you. No, they didn't ask him none, no ministerial class. They just wanted to know where he lived. And so let's see what happened here. They said, where do you live? Jesus said, come and see. And so watch this now. They came. They saw where he lived or dwelt. They stayed with him that day. Now, it was two of them, two or three of them that was with him. So they stayed with him that day. He could not have been in an efficiency. Because if it was two of them asking him where did he live, and he took them to his house, and they stayed with him, Jesus had to have at least two other guest rooms unless he put them in a bunk bed in one room. Now, see, because now we've been conditioned that scripture, foxes have holes, 
And birds of the nest, you know, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. The, the, well, we just see here he had a place to stay, so what does that mean? Jesus was just out of town. And maybe all of the hotels were full. I mean, that's why he was born in a manger. Listen, Jesus was born in a manger not because they were broke, but because the Bible says there was no room in the inn. In other words, it was a cowboy game going on that Sunday and there were no openings in the hotel. So they had to stay in the manger. But we think he was born in a manger because they were broke. Now let me just say this further and I'm so far off of my lesson but I'm going to get here though. Because see, some of you are thinking needs to be straight and you need to recondition your soul about what Jesus was like because I'm about to read a verse and you're going to justify the verse in a way that I don't want you to. Listen, when they brought the gold, silver, frankincense, and myrrh, when they brought those gifts to Jesus when he was two years old, here's my question. What did they do with that money? What did they do with that money? Okay, let me just answer the question this way. How many people did Jesus have on his staff? How many disciples, guys? That's his staff. It was 12 of them. Remember, he asked all of them, take up your cross. He says, listen, I want you to be a disciple. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Come and follow me. Let me tell you what he was saying. Quit your job, and I need you to come into ministry full time. Now, my question is, who fed them? Who paid their bills? I mean, would you just come and work for the church for free? If so, come on. Come on, I will hire you today. Somebody had to feed them. Somebody had to clothe them. Somebody had to pay their, their family's bills. Somebody had to do all that. Well, well, look, Jesus had more money than you think Jesus had. Jesus had enough money to wear a handmade Versace suit. I mean, Versace robe, I'm sorry. No, the Bible says he wore a seamless garment. A seamless garment was not made in a factory or by machines. It was hand done. It was the most expensive piece of clothing a person can wear. And that's why when he died on the cross, they took his clothes and gambled for him. You don't gamble from clothes from goodwill. Everybody say physical prosperity. Now, we may not have all been born like Jesus, and somebody on our birth gave us all this money. So then you have spiritual prosperity. Everybody say spiritual prosperity. Now go to 2 Corinthians 8. Go to 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8. We're going to look at verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Now, most of us have not qualified at all in none of those ways that financial prosperity comes other than the one we call uh, the, the production of your hands, and that's the job. Most of us, our parents, when they died, they didn't leave that much money. Most of us, when we were born, we weren't born into a family that had a lot of money. And so, and then in this case, uh, where there was uh, physical prosperity, that wasn't the case either. So, uh, most of us, we look like we out of luck. Looks like we're just going to have to work hard the rest of our lives. But see, there's a different way. Everybody say a different way. Now, watch this. Uh, spiritual prosperity. Second Corinthians, look in verse 8, uh, chapter 8. We're going to look in verse 9. 
Now, let me explain what spiritual prosperity is. This is where a person or persons have been spiritually born and adopted into God's family where financial resources and prosperity is unlimited. I'm going to say that again. When someone has a position of spiritual prosperity, this is when they have been born into God's family because in God's family, there is an unlimited amount of financial resources and prosperity. And that's why the Bible says that God can meet our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God has some riches and God has some glory that far exceeds what we could ever believe. The streets of heaven are not paved out of gold. The streets of heaven are made out of gold. Amen. So watch this now. The problem with spiritual prosperity is that it has to be activated. Everybody say activated. In other words, you got to be born again, but there's another activator that I'm going to share with you in just a second here. Spiritual prosperity is understood, watch this now, this is how spiritual prosperity happens. It's understood through the principle of mind renewal. Say mind renewal. But it's activated through biblical meditation. Now, I want you to track with me, touch your neighbor and say, you need to stay with him. I'm saying that most of us now, how many have been born again? Let me see your hand. You've been born again. All right. So now we qualify, watch this, to be in the spiritual prosperity position. We qualify because we've been born now into this family. But now spiritual prosperity needs to be activated. Say activated. And the only way it's activated is first we have to understand the principle of mind renewal. In other words, until you know you're supposed to have something, you don't know you got it. In other words, somebody can die and leave you something, and until you read their will, you will never discover what's already yours. Everybody say understanding. And then uh, it's activated through the principle of biblical meditation. Now, let me just explain what mind renewal is. This is where you and I learn consistently, say consistently. We learn consistently how to think and act on God's word. In other words, it's a way that you start thinking. It's a way that you start adapting your mind to work. Go to Romans chapter 12. Go to Romans 12. I'm going to end right here. Romans 12. This is, I'm only like a third through my lesson, but that's okay. Romans chapter 12. Because here's my thing. I'd rather see you have understanding than to have inspiration. Oh, I, I, I want you to feel good when you leave church, but I'd rather have you understand than to feel good. See, there are some benefits to understanding than just feeling good. See, you wake up in the morning and you don't feel good. You say, well, I'm not going to go to work because I don't feel good. Eventually, you're going to be broke. But if you understand that a check comes by way of going to work, it don't matter how you feel. You're going to work. Romans 12, look in verse 2. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed, by the renewing of your what? Mind, that you may prove what is good, what is acceptable, and what is the perfect will of God. Notice now, when your mind begins to be renewed, there are three things that happen. You'll prove what's good, you'll know what's acceptable, and you'll understand the perfect will of God. Now, the condition of your mind determines how well you prosper. We know that by, by uh, 3 John 2. 
But it also, the condition of your mind determines how much of God's will you know for your life. We just read that. But then watch this. The condition of your mind also helps you to limit the number of devil level moments you pass or flunk. See, once your mind gets renewed, your devil level moments should decrease. You say, what's a devil level moment? You know. You know. This happened about, I don't know, uh, this happened about four years ago. Four years ago, right? So uh, I'm in the house. I'm chilling. My wife storms in the house. She's upset. Babe, babe, you need to go outside and talk to the neighbors. You need to go outside and talk to the neighbors. I'm like, why I need to talk to the neighbors? You just need to go outside and talk to the neighbors. I'm like, babe, if I go out there to talk to them, I need to know why I need to talk to them. But the dogs got out. Their dogs got out. They're scared landing. And, and I'm like, oh, my God. So I got to go outside because what has happened is our dog, I mean our neighbors were walking their dogs without leashes and these were big old dogs and my nephew was, was walking Landon and Cyan and the big dog scared them. They came in the house crying and you know they cried to the mother bear and you don't mess with the mother bear. <laughs> so I went out there and I, and, I, and I went down to the house where the dogs were and as I walked up to talk to the, uh, the lady, the big dog comes running up to me. And I'm already programmed in my mind. I'm going to kick this dog in the neck. Right there in front of its owner. And so, you know, uh, I got up to the lady. I said, ma'am, listen. I said, your dog scared my kids. And she was like, oh, they're not going to bite. They're nice dogs. I said, ma'am, I don't care if your dog is lassie. You need to put those dogs on a leash. And while I'm talking to this lady... Her husband comes outside, and he's looking like he want to do something. Well, he don't understand. I'm ready to do something. No, my wife sent me outside to do something. So I better do something. So he and I, we know I'm looking at him, he's looking at me. You know how he got that stare down, you know. Finally, we straighten that mess out. And you know how it gets your blood pressure up anyway? Blood pressure went up, 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 up. We re-resolved re it. So I forgot to, you know, stick the pin in the blood pressure. I forgot to do that. So no big deal. So Landon, you know, he wanted some Doritos from the store. So we get in the car, and we go to the store, and I go inside. We get the Doritos off the shelf and put them on the shelf. And uh, I pulled out some money. And, uh, you know, all I had was $20. So I gave it to the man. He says, I can't change that. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> and what I didn't realize, that same steam that was over there in my neighborhood done followed me to the store now. <laughs> I can't change that. And I'm like, well, well, that's all I got. Well, I can't change it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. I don't do coffee on people. I can't do that. See, I'm, I'm assessing myself right now. It's going really fast. I'm going through the files of devil level moments in my mind. And so I thought, so then I thought, because it was only a dollar. And some t it was like a dollar 99. So I, I said, sir, do you have a dollar? No, no, no. I was going to borrow his dollar and bring it back for the next time. So I said, sir, do you have a dollar? He says, I don't have a dollar. I said, so how do you expect me to have a dollar if you don't have a dollar? 
And so then he took the Doritos and just put them over here like, you ain't getting these. <laughs> Boy, that steam was still on the inside. So then I thought, God, what do I do? And then the devil spoke to me. <laughs> you know, God don't always speak first now. People be like, the first voice you hear is God. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. The devil spoke. No, let me just say this. It wasn't really the devil. It was my flesh. There's a difference between the flesh and the devil. See, the, the flesh will make you, the flesh, you, you cuss them out, right? The devil level, you punch them. Well, I don't do neither one of those, but this thought came, and I know it was a flesh now looking back at it. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go out to the car and get 99 pennies. So I was driving my wife's car at the time, and so I went in her ashtray, and it was water and stuff all in the ashtray. <laughs> Had to put some gloves on to get those. What is in there? So I took, I counted, 99 pennies. I left the nickels, I left the quarters, I left the dimes. I said, no, he ain't getting none of that. I took 99 pennies out of there, and I said, I'm going to give it to him to show him. I went in there, went up to the counter. This is the counter right here. I just took the pennies and I dropped them from here. <laughs> they rolled everywhere. Too. And he's looking at me. I said, there's your 99 pennies. I went back over to the other shelf, got some more Doritos. I came back and I said, uh, do you want me to wait for you to count them? How many know that you got to renew your mind so you won't have no devil of a moment? Right? <laughs> Here's a, I want you to write this down, write this down, write this down. What you think mentally is where you go physically. What you think mentally is where you go physically. And this is why all of us are in one of three states, and I'll tell you what they are next week because I'm out of time. Did y'all learn something this morning? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap if you did. How many don't mind me picking this up where I left off next week? Do you mind? All right. All right. Every, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, if you die today, here's my question. Are you 100% sure heaven would be your home? God has made us in three ways, spirit, soul, and body. And the spirit part of you is going to live forever. So here's my question. If you die today, are you 100% sure heaven would be your home? Because if you're not, I want to pray for you. Because I believe God has put in everybody's heart to want to go to heaven. And then if you're here today, you say, Pastor Evan, I know if I died, I'd go to heaven. I know I'm a believer, but I, I haven't been walking in God's best. And that just means that you haven't been consistently walking in the Word. And you know in your side you need to do better. But you can't do better until you make a decision. And if you're here and you'd like to rededicate your life to the Lord, then I want to pray for you as well. And then last but not least, if you're here today and you need a church home, and you'd like to make Word of Truth Family Church your church home, I want to pray for you. And here's why. The world makes light of being a member of a church. But see, God expects all of His children to be connected to a church. The Bible says that that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. And you may even be watching me by Periscope right now. You're sitting at home and you're saying, you know what? 
I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be around those people. You may be home and you're sick and that's fine. But if you're here and, and, and you're watching and you never go to church, I want to challenge you. There's another level of prosperity in your life that will come when you connect to a local church. And so with every head bow, if you fit in one of those three categories and you'd like for me to pray for you, I'd like for you to raise your hand right there at your seat. Say, Pastor Evan, I, I, if I die today, I want to make sure I go to heaven. Oh, I need to rededicate my life. Oh, I want to join World of Truth Family Church. Raise your hand right there.